Hey guys, welcome to the Better Way podcast where we have conversations about anything and everything that pertain to following Jesus in everyday life. Our hope is that the discussions that we have here would challenge your faith and encourage you in your relationships with God, people, and the world around you. My name is Adam Winter. I'm here with Matt Dorn. What's up? And again, no Ryan Breland. Cricket, cricket. Priority problem, man. Yeah, just he is all those students. thinks it's more important to go spend time with junior high and high schoolers, which I would definitely disagree. That sounds yeah. tolerable at best. It's not some of them are well, good. I would say so it's it's summertime and man, you gotta put up with the heat. So I went on the winter camp with the students and it was great. It was a blast. Yeah. But summertime, summertime's man, different. Whew, it's hot sweaty. out there. Stay, stay wet, stay hydrated. Uh, man, yeah. it's it's a hot one. So yeah. So he'll be back from summer camp. He'll be on our next episode. It's gonna be great. Don't don't worry. Have no fear. But today we are doing our next Wednesday word installment, and we have crossed over into the book of Mark. Woohoo! Mark's it. gospel, the earliest of the four. Yeah. So this, this one was written the earliest of them all, and we're in Mark chapter two. Uh, today, Wednesday, July the 5th. Hope everyone had a good 4th. Mm-hmm. Woot woot, America. Bang, 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 shoot your guns. <laughs> uh, yeah, so today, Mark chapter 2, we're just going to dive into it. There's obviously a lot going on here if you've read the chapter. If you haven't, feel free to go back and read it. Uh, lots going on. One thing I picked up on is Jesus seems to be frustrating the Pharisees quite a bit in this chapter. And the Pharisees always seem to be a little bit frustrated by Jesus, obviously. But they seem extra annoying to me here. They're they're always a little kind of like they're peeking around every corner and like, what's he doing now? What's he doing now? They seem kind of extra so in this chapter. So just brief overview. Jesus in the very opening 12 verses, it's the story where a paralytic is brought to him by his friends and they drop him down to the ceiling of a roof. And the ceiling of a roof, I feel like that's sort of the same thing, but not quite. Yeah. They drop him down through the roof to get to Jesus. And he says, your sins are forgiven. Mm. And the Pharisees are very upset about that. They're like, what? Like, who has the authority to forgive sins? They're thinking sins have always been atoned for in the temple, right? Mm -hmm. One time a year. The right guy's got to be there. The the ceremonies have to be put in place. The sacrifices have to have been brought. And Jesus is like, no, right here, right now in this dirty house, your sins are forgiven. And they're appalled by that. And so then he responds by saying, why do you think this is such a big deal? Let me show you that I have the authority to do that. And he says, get up and walk. And he heals the guy to display that he is the son of God, that he does have the authority to forgive sins. That's the first time they're frustrated. Then he goes on from there. He calls a guy named Levi, who's a tax collector, who Jewish people had had a very low view of. This is a traitor. This is yeah, someone that is they sold Jewish, out. Yeah, sold out, sell out of Jewish descent, has has chosen to work for the oppressor, chosen to work for the Roman authorities to tax his or her, I guess it would probably be a male uh, tax mm-hmm. collector, would, would choose to tax his own Jewish people and sometimes even hike those taxes so he could pocket a little bit more for himself. Yep. So they, they hate tax collectors. They loathe tax collectors. Think about the, the type of person that you just loathe uh, yourself right now. Mm-hmm. And that's the person that Jesus is like, no, that's going to be my guy. Like, he's going to be part of my band. I'm going to call him. Yeah, I'm going to call me. him, and uh, he's going to be part of, of my inner circle here. So they freak out about that. Then he goes beyond that, and we're going to hone in on this today. They see him at a party with tax collectors and sinners. So not only does he just choose this one guy, but he's like, no, I'm literally going to go party with tax collectors and sinners. I'm going to go hang out with these people. I'm going to get to know these people. I'm going to befriend these people. And um, And then there's several other things that happen, but... 
So yeah, um, picking up that part of the story, Matt, because that was kind of like where you and I both were landing in terms of these things that are really making the Pharisees upset and they're not understanding like why would the Messiah, why would the Son of God do these things that seem like they're in direct contradiction to the law and to, you know, the Pharisees, they get a, a bad rap. We, we've we read the New Testament. We see how Jesus talks about the Pharisees. We know that they're not the people we should be modeling our lives after. So it's easy to criticize them. Their motivation was to, was to be loyal to God. Like they wanted to call people to be loyal to Yahweh. And they saw the Hellenization of the Jewish people, mm-hmm. the Greek and the Roman culture was impressing itself upon the Jews and changing their way of living. And so they, as the Pharisees, as the religious leaders, wanted to call people to be loyal to Yahweh. So th- their motivation, I believe, was pure, but obviously they've gone awry in some ways as Jesus constantly kind of rebukes them. But they ask a question to Jesus in Mark 2 here as they see him at this party with tax collectors and sinners. And uh, in verse 6, well, let's just say verse 15 here. And as he, Jesus, reclined at table in his house, this house is presumably Levi's house, the tax collector. He was reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? So Matt, why does Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? Yeah, well, he... Jesus answered it right there in verse 17. Um, It says, well, he responded to them. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And I think um, there's a lot that we miss because we just see a story of just Jesus eating um, with sinners. It's like, hey, come over to my party that's kind of like how we translate in our mind. And, and I was looking at a uh, constable's commentary on th- this verse and it reminded me of the reality of like what eating a meal together meant back then compared to what we think of it now. And he, he wrote this, he said, eating a meal together meant something in Jesus world that it does not mean in today's wet in the West today. Hospitality is a sacred duty in the ancient near East. Uh, when someone invited someone else to eat with him, he was extending a pledge of loyalty and protection to that person to accept an invitation to dinner implied a willingness to become a close friend of the host. Jesus' acceptance of table fellowship with, quote, sinners or outcasts conveyed by the action of forgiveness that he verbally gave in the previous verses. And so I just just remind myself of the reality of like how different Jesus' approach is toward people in general. And, and it's the reality as, as he goes later on talking about these, uh, these wineskins, the old wineskins and putting new wine into the new wineskins. It's just Jesus is flipping everything upside down here. And in, in the Pharisees' mold and model that they have, like, whoa, whoa, whoa we can't do this. Oh, what's going on? How, how do we make sense of this even? Because it doesn't fit in our mold. And Jesus is showing them who he is, that he has the authority. But it's not just, it's, it's so interesting because we see both the, the power of God, but the presence of God here. Because we see the power, he's, you know, healing miracles, but you see his presence in that he's coming down to people, normal, every ordinary people, people who are outcasts, people who we would look aside to, and he's he's dining with them, but he's pledging like loyalty and protection. He's saying, I want to be with you. And that's a powerful thing that we can so easily overlook in just a simple meal together that Jesus is having with the tax collector. 
I don't, I don't know I, what you I, think about that, but I think about the because te- this this obviously it does have a lot to say about the Pharisees because I, I think this chapter is a lot about the Pharisees. We see them again hovering around every corner. We didn't even get into the latter half of the chapter. I imagine, because there's other parts of the scriptures where it talks about, you know, like Jesus is kind of saying, hey, when you get up and pray, don't be like the Pharisees who stand up on this, you know, big old block and pray out loud so that people will look on them and be like, oh, wow, they're so spiritual. They pray so well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the Pharisees had this thing again where they believed that their way of living was was the way that was the most loyal to Yahweh, but they weren't willing to get down at people's level. So I think about like a Pharisee, like they generally only associated with other Pharisees and people that were committed to this very rigid and the only way in is to pledge allegiance to this way. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, I mean, like they were never willing to get down at someone's level to approach them. Definitely not to have a meal or to invite someone like that was that was considered ritually or ceremonially unclean into their home. And Jesus is saying, like, I am the Messiah. Like, I am showing you that the true way is to gravitate toward that person. The name Pharisee itself means a separated one. So they were separatists. They believed that to be holy and loyal to God was to separate oneself from the world, the stain of the world, the 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 sins of the world. They believed that that to be loyal to God was to separate yourself from. And I think that's very relevant to us. Yeah, um, absolutely. We may look at this and be like, that's so weird that they thought it. But like, we have our own ways of, of doing this. Like we live in a world that categorizes people constantly, puts them in in groupings to where we say, oh, that group over there. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to associate with that group over there. We don't use the same language, you know, like, yeah. Uh, being they're they're in ceremonial clean, but we do have those those categories and those even those undisclosed type like I, I separate myself from this people because of it could be any anything. But yeah, let's let's dive into that a little bit. What yeah. are some of those things that we commonly like like in our day to day? Like we, we don't we may not have the same kind of clean, unclean type things, but what are the things that are in our day and age that we deal with where we have the tendency to be just like the Pharisees? I think there's a ton for sure. And I, and I think if you're part of New Covenant Church, we're, we're actually going through a series right now called Relate, where we're talking about a biblical view of relationships. And just yesterday, Pastor Dave was talking about how we tend to prioritize relationships that add value to our lives. We're very me-centered, self-centered, consumeristic, like I'll only relate to someone or, or get entangled in someone relationally if they're adding value to my life. If they're not, and certainly not if they're going to add frustration to my life, I'm definitely not going to pursue that person, but they, they must be able to add something to me. And so based off your question, Matt, there's there's a lot. I think of the, the one that jumps out to me, like that gets the most attention would be like political differences. So yeah. like depending on how you align politically, well, then the opposite would be the person that you would want nothing to do with. And so, that you know, could stem from any issue politically. Like, yeah, yeah. But if you're if you would consider yourself, you know, I'm a strong, you know, Republican, conservative, whatever, then then you're obviously not going to naturally want to gravitate towards someone that would identify more as a liberal or progressive or Democrat. Um, that one gets the most attention, unfortunately, but that one's a big one because people do consume a lot of mainstream news, and so they they buy into this polarization of of political party differences. Uh, someone that might be labeled quote unquote toxic, someone that might be labeled quote unquote narcissistic or codependent. Mm-hmm. I think those are big buzzwords in the culture to where, oh, if someone's narcissistic or toxic, no, I mean, I've got to protect myself and I've got to protect my own well-being and my mental health and yada, yada. And I, I am, I am sensitive to those things. And I do think that boundaries are important. I will mm-hmm. say that this isn't a conversation on boundaries. I'm like captain qualifier. So I always feel like I need to qualify. 
And so someone might disagree. That's okay if you disagree. I, I'm a big believer in boundaries. I do think Jesus isn't calling us to just recklessly throw ourselves into, you know, if you're in, if this is an abusive relationship, Jesus isn't like, hey, get in there and just get abused all the more. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's wisdom. And, but I do think what this is calling us to do is to, to stretch ourselves mm-hmm. and to put ourselves around people that we wouldn't naturally put ourselves around. And if that person has been labeled or deemed as quote unquote toxic or narcissistic or codependent, we should really consider praying through that. Like, like we don't know why. Maybe they are. Maybe they are toxic. Maybe they are. Or maybe it's just the assumption that people have. Maybe been it's the assumption. That label. Maybe you've been listening to too much gossip, and you yeah. don't even know that person personally. Yeah. Or maybe they do have some of those issues. But I mean, I I think about several years before I moved here, I had a job at a restaurant, and there was this guy who will go unnamed. I don't think he's listening to the podcast, but I did not want to have anything to do with this guy because he fit. He fit a lot of those boxes for me. He was like total narcissist, full of himself, just wanted to constantly monopolize the conversation and talk about all of his accolades and all, all the weight he could lift. And like, oh, just, it was, it was just like, did not want to be there, be around this guy. I'm like, this guy's just so full of himself. Well, we ended up getting scheduled on multiple weddings together to do catering events. And so I had to spend a lot of time with this guy. I was required to. And I'm like dreading it. Well, over time, we're driving, you know, two hours both ways to these events. And I got to know this guy who I had no interest in getting to know. And we, we literally became like best friends at this restaurant. And it's because I got to know his story. And, yeah. and when I got to know why he came off the way that he did, mm-hmm. I saw a guy that, that had, had a terrible, terrible upbringing who, who was never told that his life mattered in any way, shape mm-hmm. or form, yeah. who didn't believe in himself at all. It was all a front. It was mm-hmm. all a facade. And as I got to know his story, as we did just share meals together and get to know each other on a deeper level, I began to see a totally different guy who became a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And that's sad because I can't even toot any kind of horn for myself. I was forced to hang out with him, right? There was no willingness. There was no desire. I didn't initiate it. But God kind of showed me, hey, don't judge a book by its cover and and don't, you know, distance yourself from other others that might be different than you. Because through that encounter, I was able to share my faith with him. He's not a believer, but I was able to tell him like why I believe what I believe, and we had some great faith conversations that you never know it could have planted yeah. a seed or. And it's and it's such a man as you're, as you're saying that, and I was reflecting on yesterday because I believe David was was saying this, just how that that is embodying Christ, like that that's that's displaying characteristic of who God is and what He's done for us because He uh, Jesus took on flesh, He entered into our world. He didn't He didn't wait for us to clean up our act. He stepped down into our world, put on flesh. Uh, became like us to relate to us to to be with us mm-hmm. and so he moved toward us and i the more and more i think about that um you know i just think about just the relationships that i've had that help break that mold of assumption that i have in my mind of someone or something or a category that someone's been put in how when you get to know that person you start to realize man they're just another person like me yeah. who has feelings you know they 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 may they may emotionally respond differently uh they may their maturity level may not be the same as mine but they are people with problems or people who who think similarly or differently than us but they're people and uh and they're made in the image of god and um i think it's getting beyond the 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 way that we want to group people like like to get beyond, okay, that person is a bl- a Republican or a Democrat or a whatever, mm-hmm. that's a grouping that we've just done. Yeah. But to take that person and say, no, that person is a person. They're an mm-hmm. individual. Right. And, and they have a story. They have a story. And that story has shaped and formed who they are. And something got them to where they are now. And where they are now is where they need to be 
because God has them right there. And we have to, and again, we talk about the eternal perspective. That's kind of like the eternal perspective. Like we have to recognize that, like this is a person made in the image of God. They have a story. That story has formed and shaped them into who they are and to where they, and what's brought them right here, right now. And God wants to use us in each other's lives. Like I love that what you, what you read about sharing a meal together, just the, the counter-cultural, it can still be just as counter-cultural today. Like what we're talking about here, drawing near to people that are different, tax collectors and sinners, we wouldn't maybe put those labels on it, but people that we wouldn't generally gravitate toward. There's something healing and, and subversive and restorative that God can do through something so simple, right? Mm -hmm. It seems so simple. Mm -hmm. Like what you're telling me that if I invite someone into my house, we just start sharing a meal, that that's going to do something like powerful in the world. And I would say like, yes, like over time, absolutely something so simple can do something so powerful because it's in, it's in direct contradiction to what the world wants, right? It wants us to to distance ourselves, to group ourselves. Stay into, in your own group, stay yep. in your own lane. Yeah. I mean, do you have any other thoughts on that? Yeah. I'm just trying to think of just other practical ways. Um, I was even thinking as we were talking earlier, just about how putting yourself in situations that, that puts your, puts you, that forces yourself kind of like your job. It forced you into a place where you're around different people. I think about, uh, diff different things that I do, like working out in the morning times with a bunch of different guys who don't think the same way, who, but we have this one common goal is to exercise and then we fellowship together and then we, um, uh, do, do other things. And so it's, it's, it's putting me around people who I normally wouldn't associate with. And I, I recognize that. And I also want to learn and, and grow from that because again, I don't want to have, I, I have a tendency to, to have those assumptions just like you had with this guy at work of that guy's this way. And when I can put my, and the more we do that, the more we can break the, the, the assumptions in our mind about one person that can go on to the next person that we meet and the next person that we meet and the next person that we meet. And I've seen that true in my life, just as a prime example of just even talking to recovery guys, people who've gone through drug addiction, things like that. You can always label them as, as just like, that's who they are. But until you hear their stories and know where they came from, man, you just, um, it start it begins to break down that mold slowly over time. So be intentional about that. Uh, look, look around and see maybe where you might have some kind of pharisaical, uh, tendencies where you're kind of pulling away from people or, or maybe you're, you're saying, no, Jesus works this way. And as you read this again, or as you think about this again, think about how Jesus just wants to flip that and turn that upside down because he's got this better way of living. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I just recently had the I had a similar thought, and I mentioned last time, last podcast, how I was putting together a group for like young dads, young married guys who just want to be more intentional in their families' lives. And, and before I was thinking through, okay, how do I get word out on this to generate interest? I was thinking, maybe I'll just handpick some guys. <laughs> maybe I'll just, you know, guys that I want in this group, and I'll, I'll handpick them. And then I thought, it's almost like, it wasn't like God speaking very, you know, clearly, but I, I felt this inclination to know, let me put this, let me just put this out there to anybody so that I can't determine who gets to be in this group and who doesn't. And I know, and I know that's going to put guys in my group that are very different than me. And, and sure enough, it did. Like some of the guys that came back, clearly we have some differences, but I love that. Ultimately, like this is what God is after is not putting us in, in a bunch of monolithic groups, but that we would have some differences as we get together and learn from each other. So just to go along with what you were saying, and I think ultimately as we wrap up, the, the motivation for all this is is the gospel, is mm -hmm. Jesus Absolutely. drawing near to us who are very different than him. We were enemies. We were enemies. We were hostile. We didn't yeah. like him. Yeah. He had no reason to draw near to us, and, and yet he did. And mm -hmm. so because of that, if we allow that reality alone, that man, Live out of Jesus, that. you had no reason to draw near to me, to mm -hmm. pursue me, to dine with me. And you 
wanted to, you desired to, and, and it wasn't a reluctant, begrudging like thing you, you desired to, and you wanted right. to. And so when we allow that to do something to us, that's our primary that's motivation that's for, for drawing near to people that are different than us as well. So anyway, guys, it's a short one today. Hopefully this has been encouraging to you guys. Hopefully this has challenged your faith, caused you to think differently through these things. We'll see you guys on Monday for our next regular episode. And yeah, we'll see you next time.